This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Dr. Carl Bamlett, The Modern Caveman, a show that helps you to reshape your modern life using wisdom from the past. Welcome to The Modern Caveman, where this week we're going to be talking about some real topical issues, um, and the, the, the general overview is going to be um, high stress, how it affects our body, and ways we can not- notice that that's what's going on, and how we can um, manage it and adapt and continue to function at a high level. Stay tuned. So this week we're talking about stress and um, how that affects us. And as a chiropractor, I treat um, people's spines and worry about the, the nervous system as the primary thing is what we can try and stabilize and help people with and to alleviate things. And that oftentimes presents as um, muscle pains and nerve pains and um, sometimes back pain or neck pain or a wide array of things that that happen from this dysfunction that's going on. Um, And the way that that happens is our brain is connected to our spinal cord, um, which travels down through our spine and has little spinal nerves that go off and go out into the body and um, they either give off messages to our muscles or our skin or our organs or um, blood vessels or many other things that we have those little endings go to um, to give messages to the body and to receive messages back from the body. And this nervous system is how our Uh, brain controls us and how our body gives back feedback to the brain to let us know where we have pain or where we have issues that are starting or if we get the you know the 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 lightheaded feeling or if we get a a cloudy feeling in our head all these things are just messages to and from the body and um, that's what we're going to talk about and so we we talked about the the central nervous system briefly um, which is the 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 brain and the spinal cord and um yeah, that's going to be where we have most of the control of things. But then that has to communicate to the rest of the body. Um, and when we're stressed, that communication from those areas where we, our brain is processing too much and we have all this stress going on and it's going to send out some mixed, mixed signals. And the body can start to change in a different way where we get um, things that affect us more and start to change how we feel compared to our normal daily life. And, and things that um, things that would qualify as stress, it could be things going on in the world around us. It could be, um, it could be an old injury we have as a form of stress on that area in the body. And it could be creating pain. Pain is a really prominent form of stress in our life because if you're in chronic pain, um, you're not ha- you're having part of your nervous system switched on, which is going to be overwhelming the other parts of the nervous system and getting you run down and more tired. So there's many forms of different stressors out there, and you've probably well-versed on this by now. Um, But when we have that stress affecting the body, the central nervous system is processing a lot of it, but then we have to communicate to the rest of the body. And that's where that message kind of gets a little mixed with the peripheral nervous system is the next part. Um, You've probably heard of central nervous system before, but you may not have heard of peripheral nervous system. The peripheral nervous system consists of 12 pairs of cranial nerves, and 31 pairs 
of spinal nerves. And there are a few a number of other um, neuronal plexuses and other things going on in the body, but we won't really touch on that. But the, the 12 pairs of cranial nerves um, are going to be the ones that go out and give sensation to your face or uh, make your tongue move a certain way, make your eyes move a certain way, um, many different ways. One thing that you may have noticed that's a real obvious distortion of these nerves is if somebody, if you know somebody who's had trigeminal neuralgia or if you've had trigeminal neuralgia. And that's a, that's a nerve on your face um, that um, innervates the, the kind of the, the main area where you look at someone when you're communicating, kind of the, the lower third, lower two-thirds of the face. Um, and if that goes kind of limp and numb and doesn't really have any ability to move or have an expression, um, that is um, trigeminal neuralgia. Oftentimes it can be painful, have a nerve feeling, or it's just numb and just doesn't move. Many different presentations of it. But that's one way where you can see a peripheral nervous system in those cranial nerves um, that is being affected. Other ones are oftentimes a bit more harder to visualize, but that's one that you may have noticed that you kind of jumped out and kind of saw real obviously. And the 31 pairs of spinal nerves that come out, those are nerves that come out through our neck, um, through our thoracic cavity, which is our chest, um, and through our abdomen and pelvic region. Um, so there are um, eight cervical, 12 thoracic, five lumbar, um, five sacral, and a coccygeal. Um, and those are the, the spinal nerves that we have. And so they're going to be giving off information out to the body of many different varieties. Um, oftentimes it's going to be the contract here, um, contract there, pull your arm in, push your arm out, push your leg in, push your leg out. That's the real easy thing that we can think of that we have full control over. Um, one thing, uh, other things that we have uh, a bit of force control over, we can um, contract uh, muscles to stop ourselves from going to the bathroom or to um, to allow ourselves to go to the bathroom when we're in the appropriate place. These are a, a mixture of the um, things we have control over and the things that we don't have conscious control over. And the conscious control kind of overwhelms the ones that we um, are trying to hold. So that's that's some of the complexities that go in. And when we, hit, when we get those high stress levels and high nervous um, levels, we can have issues start to happen in, in that area that you see where um, someone may lose control of their bowel or bladder um, due to nerves. Um, and that's one example of that kind of pattern throwing off. And that's a little bit harder because there's a lot of complexity to, to that combination. Um, but that's just an example of how stress can affect the nervous system. And if we get into that stress a little bit more, so that peripheral will then lead to um, a bit more of the autonomic nervous system, which is the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, so these are really, really important in our stress response. And these are also a very complicated thing to visualize. So we're going to talk a little bit about that to set this up, to try to set up the whole story for people to, to fully understand what's going on. So with that sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system within the autonomic nervous system, they are, um, they originate from a few areas. Okay. So the, we'll start off first with the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight nervous system, the one that gets you geared up and ready to go for a run or to, to fight something um, and to just make it so you can survive. That's going to be the survival one. And that is um, really going to 
come from the thoracic area, um, which comes from T1 um, down to about T12 is where you're going to be getting those ones um, coming out of the body. And that's from where your neck ends and your chest starts all the way down to where about your ribs end is about where you're going to be able to find that on most people. Some people may have an extra rib or, or one less rib, and, and so it may be a little bit different for all of us, but that's the general area of which it what happens. And that's those fight or flight responses. So if your heart starts beating a little bit fast when you pulled out in front of a car in traffic and you just missed getting hit with a hit, or if you did get hit, or if you're an adrenaline junkie and you go um, jump off of a, a sky tower with a bungee cord on your legs, that's another form of that uh, sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, because you're trying to survive when, you, when you're falling there and you get that big adrenaline rush and your sympathetic nervous system gets a bit overwhelmed. So those are examples of, of that sympathetic nervous system preparing for that. And you also have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest um, nervous system, also called a feed and breed <laughs> which is a bit, a bit of a funny term. Um, and so these are going to be where you slow down and you rest and you unwind. And this is one when we're in that stress state, we need to tr in that stress state, we need to try and activate that relaxation side of things. And that's going to be a, a big important part. And that's coming out from the sacral region, um, which is the, you know, kind of the S2 to 4 segments is where you're going to be getting these, these inputs. And so how do these originate from these areas? Because you hear about, how, your question is probably, how is that different than the other um, peripheral nervous system aspects? And why is this something different? Well, there's um, a few, a good reason for that. So with the peripheral nervous system, it's typically concerning the the musculoskeletal, muscular type of branches of the nerves, the somatic branches of the nerves. Um, and that is going to be going out to the muscles out through the, through the front of the um, connections where there's this extra little bit of nerve fibers that come out and they wrap around and they go out into a little plexus in the front of the vertebrae. And this is called the sympathetic chain. And there's little things in there called sympathetic chain ganglias, which is where these nerve bodies kind of lay. And they sit there um, as they come out of the different spinal levels and they send messages up and down and out to um, the target organ. So they send them up towards higher segments to different levels varying, you know, depending on where you're at, they'll go to different levels. Um, and they also go out to affect organs at that level. So that's where, um, say you get a back injury at your seventh thoracic vertebrae, you may have gotten into a bike injury or a car accident, or you may have had a rugby injury, and you know that you've injured your sixth thoracic. And from that point on, you've, not, you've had a gut ache, or you've had something else that's happened, and it's been years that you haven't been able to get rid of this. And these are some ways, and so that can um, go both up and down from that segment, many levels, and cause other issues to other organs and other vertebral pain complexes that happen from that injury. So it doesn't have to stay just at that exact level. It can go up and down and out and affect organs from that injury. Um, and, and if you get into the cervical spine, um, you have um, elements coming up from the thoracic that go all the way up into the head and innervate um, elements to the brain, the eyes, the ears, um, salivary ducts in the mouth, and give them messages of uh, stress being on or not stress being on. And that depends on what your overall nervous system is behaving like, depending on what type of stress you're having and how much stress you're having. So these are 
things that we have to balance when we're going through this whole process with these different nervous systems is keeping that sympathetic, parasympathetic imbalance, um, not having issues to the to the vertebrae from injuries that can cause them to send out a big signal, bad signal as well. So there we got kind of the two of the big issues that we want to talk about there, the, the autonomic nervous system, the central nervous system. And then we got this other funny thing that you've probably heard of called the enteric nervous system. And this is in our stomach. Um, this is, this can, is a nervous system that can function without inputs from our central nervous system or uh, our peripheral nervous system. There are some regulatory inputs from the sympathetic nervous system, uh, from some from the sacral plexus coming up and the vagus nerve coming down from the head. Uh, but this nervous system can act on its own. And one of the ways that we know this is peristalsis in the stomach where um, it will push food along through your digestive tract and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to tell your body to do it. Um, there's no reasons to have to do it. But if you need to, you can shut it off in a time of stress where you don't want to be digesting food and using energy to do that. You want to use your energy to fight or run or do whatever you have to do. Um, you can shut off those processes, conserve your energy, and use it to go help your muscles um, and your lungs to get you so you can get away from whatever you need to get away from or fight whatever you need to fight. But this system is also incredibly good because it can give us our, uh, you know, your gut feeling you get told about. And, and this is where we think that comes from, is from this, this second brain that's in our gut that can give us a message and send it off. And we don't know why we have such a strong gut feeling, but there's a gut feeling nonetheless. And we can all relate with that. That's a hard one to prove scientifically at this stage in, in science, but it's ones that we all know inherently um, to be true. And so these are the kind of the three elements to the nervous system that we have to keep in place. The central, the peripheral, uh, and the enteric. And the peripheral is the more complex, which is where chiropractic is really going to get a good benefit with it, where it's going to have the, the somatic nerves, it's going to have the autonomic nervous system where you're um, balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic responses with people. So here we're getting into kind of back into the to the stress topic where we're trying to work on it through how our body is perceiving what's around us because it's really hard to change what's going on around us right now, but we can change how we are within what's happening. And we have to change it within our mind and keep our body feeling good. And so part of how we can do that is to look after ourselves and do certain things to, to, to keep on top of it. Um, so ways to realize that you're feeling a bit of the stress or that you have some extra stress on. So some of the, the common ways where you can see this in people is it starts to be a long period of stress and they're starting to get run down and they're starting to feel it. Because oftentimes people think of stress as being you're pulling hair out and you're not coping or you're, you're all jittery and chewing your fingernails off all the time. And there's you know, a million other things that we can think of as just being a stressed out person. But even if you're not in that category, you're high functioning, you're, you're stable, you're calm, you have all these things going on, um, you can still be nervous and you can still have those things popping up and you may not even know it. So here are some things that commonly show up when we have a bit of higher stress. Um, one of the most common things we get more is more cramping. That can be from excess exercise, but it can also be from stress as we increase our metabolic processes and we may get deficient in things like magnesium, which is commonly a mineral that's deficient when we get when we uh, have cramps. So cramps are a real common one. 
Um, and oftentimes if they're in the, the calves is where you get them, um, uh, or the gastrocnemius or the soleus muscle would be the more specific areas where you could talk about. Um, one of the other things that, that would commonly cause, be caused is facial twitches and other muscular twitches that go in a little bit of a, a clonus pattern or a sink, um, where it just kind of goes tick, 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 tick. And you may have felt that in your own eye, felt it in your cheek, seen it in someone else's cheek. And this is another um, real strong indicator that there's a bit of stress on that's got us tightly wound where that, that nervous system just isn't integrating everything correctly. And we get those, those facial twitches starting. Hypnic jerks is another um, way where we can see a bit of that, that stress as, is a bit high. Um, and these happen. Um, you, you, may, you probably have seen this in yourself or in a loved one, and you may not have known what it was called. But hypnic jerks is one name for the thing that happens when you're about to drift off to sleep, and you're getting there, and you're just about away, and then all of a sudden your whole body jumps really quickly, really abruptly, and you startle yourself awake. Um, and you wonder, what was that? And that is just your body having those twitches, right, as it's unwinding. And one of the most common um, hypotheses as to what that is, is your sympathetic nervous system is unwinding and getting ready to go to sleep. And as that's winding down, that fight or flight response is in the body, and it's kind of getting rid of some of that tension to, to go and run and fight, and that's letting your body settle back down. And um, that is a good sign that the stress is, stress is quite high if you're unwinding and your body's having those, those jerks. And one of, the, one of the last things that is a real good sign to see that um, you're having some prolonged stress um, is jaw clenching or um, grinding of the teeth. These are really prominent way where we deal with things. And the old saying, um, to grin and bear it or to grit and bear it, are a real sign that this is, um, you know, historically been true. And it's still very, very true where, you know, people get mouth splints or night splints or mouth guards to try and prevent themselves from grinding their teeth down. Um, and it's a really... Uh, it's a good thing to keep the teeth together, but it doesn't hold the, it doesn't stop the, the jaw from being clenched from whatever the stressor is that's making that happen. And we do that just to kind of get through it. And you can even see when people are in pain, if you're working in someone in, in clinic and, and they're, they have pain from whatever injury they have and they're, they're gritting and you can see their teeth together and they have the, their teeth are showing and they're just gritting in pain as they even get onto the table or get off the table. Um, and this is just how we deal with pain. We deal with stress. We deal with many things is by holding those teeth together and trying not to to yell out is, is the way you see it there. Otherwise, we're trying to deal with the situation. So we just grit our teeth and just try and push through whatever the stressor is, whatever the challenge is. And so these are signs that if you didn't know that you were stressed, you didn't know you had some stressors going on, that you are likely suffering with a bit of stress or it may be causing some issues and it may make you not sleep. It may make other, it may make you fatigued all the time. It may make you have a bit of a cloudy head. Um, these are all common things that you kind of hear from people. Um, so now we're going to talk about ways where we can help to manage that stress and keep yourself um, keep yourself going, keep yourself stable, keep yourself working, and not having the the big injuries that that can happen when we get real stressed out. So, so the way that we've talked about this before, and the ways to really manage our stress is getting that physical activity. That's one of the things we need to keep doing um, through these times. And if we get a lot of extra pressure on you can't push at the same level that you maybe did. So don't go out and try and run a marathon, but instead maybe go out and try and run a kilometer or three or four kilometers and get the fresh air, get the sunshine. Um, that vitamin D is really important right now. 
and and be outside and relax and get get rid of some of that physical energy. And that's a real good way to keep keep the stress levels maintained long term. Um, relaxation techniques, um, deep breathing is a really good way to do that. Um, yoga and, and massage are other good ways where you can um, get some good um, relaxation. Uh, that, that you can be assisted, you can be unassisted with that, but the, the breathing techniques, getting your diaphragm working is one of the biggest things you need to do. And with any of your relaxation techniques, you need to be incorporating that breathing. So when, when you're doing your breathing, we've talked about this on the show before, deep breathing into the diaphragm, having the stomach rise up when you're breathing in, and then on the breath out, the stomach falls back down. You're trying to keep the chest from moving. And when there's long-standing patterns of this um, being impaired and you breathe into your chest more, it is quite hard to train yourself to do this right away. And you'll oftentimes likely need a bit of helping hand. And if it's a partner that can help do that, or if you go to a breathing specialist to help them, um, to have them help you get get your breathing right, whatever that way is, getting that switched around will help to not only help your breathing and help your chest, but it also helps to loosen up the back a bit too. Because um, that's an important thing you got to work on with people oftentimes in clinic when uh, the back's really tight and they just can't move or bend and you just got to release that first so that way they can um, start to start to breathe and move correctly. Having a good laugh. We, we, we share this quite often and I have in, in my um, health history, having a good sense of humor and laughing through whatever you're challenged with is one of the best things we can do to keep ourselves um, going on through through whatever's happening in our lives and whatever's happening around us. Spending time with the friends and family, that is, that is massive. Having that social, social connections is, is really big when things are going on. And that's one of the most challenging times about this is um, that those social connections are really, really lost. Um, and it has a big impact. And so keep the connections where you can. If there's ones that you can't, you're going to have to um, try and find ways, whether it be FaceTime or other face, um, face-to-face communication apps or you know just trying to get that time wherever you can um, in person with them. And one of the other big things is time for hobbies. You need some time for yourself to shut the brain off. Um, and oftentimes what I see is people uh, go towards the fast pace, intense exercises to try and do this. And that's, that can do it too. But there will become a time where you're too run down or too tired or too much things going on where you're going to not be able to do that without injuring yourself. So you need the quiet things too that you can do. And examples of that could be something is uh, like knitting or sewing or crocheting or um, woodworking or uh, model plane building or model train building or Legos. Things like that are things that people do to shut their brain off and focus on the specific task. Personally, I do woodworking, and um, one of the things that I like about it is I have to plan out what I'm going to do, put in all this work to make everything perfect, and while I'm doing all that planning and and hands-on activity, I also have to be very aware of what I'm doing. I can't be daydreaming. I can't be somewhere else because you have the danger of a saw that's coming along that you have to be aware that you're not going to cut a finger off. You're not going to do something else. So you have to be aware in the moment and planning and thinking and making something that you can then appreciate for the future. And so you can do that with anything. You can do that with crochet needles. You can do that with needlepoint. You can do that with Legos or model trains or whatever. You can you can find your thing that you like or or musical instruments. That's another thing that works well with people. Or if you like singing, those are all things that are going to help you quite 
quite well. Um, one thing I will try and get you to avoid doing, which some people also try and do, because we, instead of doing those activities that are quiet that we have to shut off and, and give our body a bit of restoration, people do the really strong physical activities or they do the things where they're, they're inactive in their relaxation. And so what does that mean is what you're asking me. So inactive ways are things like watching TV, um, going on the internet, playing video games, um, but they actually don't shut off the same way as these other things. So you may feel like you're, you're, you're shutting off and you're not doing anything, but you have part of your brain is engaged and really in that situation. So if you're watching a, a murder mystery on, on television that's real intense, you're going to be living that to an extent and you're going to be stressed after that. Or if you're watching a horror movie, a similar type of thing is going to happen from that. So you have to watch it. Or if you're in a game that's really um, growing violent, you're going to have some of that stress coming through onto you. And it's not going to be fully shutting you down. There will be some benefits to it, but it's not going to be uh, nearly as much as those hobbies that are quiet and you're engaged and you can't have your brain somewhere else and you're still daydreaming about the stressors of the day. you got to be in the moment, shutting off. And um, some other things you can do that can physically help you um, with your de-stressing. Um, a Shakti mat. Um, this is a, a new take on an old principle. Um, in old school... Um, this, this is derived from India. Old school in India, they used to put nails into a board and you'd lay down on the board with the nails in it. Um, and it would be essentially like really nonspecific acupuncture for your whole back is what they were doing then. But they found that over time, it would start to have a certain effect. So with these new Shakti mats, they're things that people at home can do without having to worry about stabbing themselves with a rusty nail, which is quite handy. And, and the Shakti mat, that's just going to use a little bit of uh, pricking type sensation into the wherever in the body you're laying on it or standing on it. And it goes through a process to kind of make you get extra blood flow to the area, start to quiet off the background noise of the nervous system and allows you to shut down and have a bit of a good stress response or stress de-stress response, I should say. Um, and that's a good ge uh, general generic type of um, de-stressing activity you can do. And incorporating that in with your other routines that you're doing is all part of it, especially when stress gets higher. One of the newer things that is out there that is shown to be really impressive for helping to keep your body stable with other types of stressors, whether it be cold stress, heat stress, or, or um, infections, um, is Wim Hof breathing exercises. So this is a really interesting thing that's uh, come out from this guy. Um, and he's managed to teach people how to um, maintain their body pressure when Exposed to intense heat and intense cold through his breathing exercises he does. And he also can make his body fight off pathogens in clinical settings um, based off his breathing exercises. And he's a bit, of a bit of a marvel, but he can teach this to people. And so people everywhere are doing these stress breathing techniques. Um, and it's often, it's, it involves a lot of diaphragmatic breathing with a certain sequence. Um, and over time, you get to so see your body's not challenged by the cold and by the heat. And so he's a, he's a marvel with what he can do. He can run a marathon in the desert without drinking any water. 
He's done it, and he's run a marathon on top of Mount Everest, um, and he did it with shorts on. <laughs> it sounds pretty crazy, and um, seeing the guy do it is, is pretty crazy, but this is his mechanism for doing it, and it's one that you can utilize and look into and see if that works for you. But you do this, and you combine this with ice water plunges um, and cold showers is another mechanism for that um, stress release that might help you out. And if you're not ready for it yet, you might want to come back to that in a year or two years, whatever time, and check that out again. And, and what I do as a profession, chiropractic, I see the effects of this on people all the time. How adjusting the spinal cord, uh, the spine, sorry, uh, has an effect on the spinal cord and the, and the neck and that stress response that comes from that area. So after you give a person a full adjustment, if they come in and you see that stress in their face and um, you can see it just kind of unwind as you're doing different bits. And then at the end of a treatment, you see the the, the relaxation on their face and then all their all their tension's gone um, and all their you know all their worries are gone and they feel lighter they feel brighter in the eyes and these are some of the comments you hear from people um, other manual therapies will have, a, have an effect too um, whether it be massage acupuncture and they're all slightly different you need to try those out and see which ones work for you um, and highly recommend checking out one of the different varieties and seeing what's going on there um, and one of the the people I really like to kind of focus on trying to help because you get great rewards from trying to help people who are in chronic pain when they actually get out of pain. Um, and seeing somebody who's been in pain for, you know, 10 years or five years or 15 years with low back pain or chronic neck pain or whatever type of pain they're dealing with, um, it's really amazing to finally be able to help them. And so we're going to talk a bit more extensively about um, how the chronic pain becomes stress and how we can try and get rid of some of that stress for people um, through through addressing that chronic pain. And this might be the time for you to try and do it. You might have a, um, you know, you, there may be a bit, a bit on you in that chronic pain. You want to try and really focus on that while everything else is going on and get into the zone and really try and just address your issues um, with whatever's going on with your back or your neck or wherever you're having that chronic pain at. So we'll talk a little bit about um, some of the chronic pain medications that are out there and you know, it's kind of a, I'll give you a, a bit of a trial um, as to what would typically take um, to help these people. Because they're all very different cases and they have an extensive history of, you know, surgeries that have gone on and certain injuries. And then after you do, you're in chronic pain long enough, there's always physical exhaustion that's combined in with that. So some of the medications, the most common ones that people get on, and there's a long, long list of medications so some of the different types of medications that people are going to be on, we'll, we'll go through the, the general overview and then we'll go back to some of the, the general, the, the more specific ones so you can kind of get an idea of um, if you're on these or if you're not. So um, some of the typical ones for nerve pain, and that's kind of the typical chronic pain people that I see are those that have nerve pain and other things. And so you get antidepressants, anticonvulsants, and then some of the other ones that are going to be for those people as well as other types of pains are going to be your um, muscle relaxers, your opioids, and your non-narcotic analgesics. Um, so if we want to go back into some of these different categories, um, some of the antidepressants are going to be things like um, nortriptyline and um, doxepin are two of the ones that you... Nortriptyline is the most common one you see, and you see that quite a bit. Um, for people that are going to be um, on nerve pain because they just kind of dull down those chemicals that are going to be putting that nerve signal further along and it just makes them be a little bit less strong and makes it a little bit more bearable. 
Um, and the you get some of the anticonvulsants that are also in there for people like pregabalin is one you hear a lot. Gabapentin is another really common one that you hear. Um, venlafaxine um, uh, are, are the main ones. There's other ones too, but those are the main ones that people are using. Um, and these are going to stop those from happening at as large of a scale when we're when they're going to um, go off. And so they just calm the nerves down, make them so they're not going to go off as high. But with those, both those types, you're going to get more um, dizziness and you're going to be tired and there's going to be not as sharp. So that's where people um, don't really like those and where they struggle with compliance on doing those ones. Uh, then we get into the muscle relaxers like diazepam, um, which have a similar effect of drowsiness and people don't really like. And then we get into the to the opioids, with, which with some people work well and other people don't work at all. And then in both those categories, you have people who are really easily hooked on it and can have really detrimental effects to their health. So people really try and stay away from this. Your GPs will try and stay away from giving it to you. But um, it's still quite a common thing that, that I see in practice with people that have the chronic pain. So for those of you who are wondering what types of medications the opioids are, you have the codeines, oxycodone, morphine, morphine, demerol, methadone, hydrocodone, and fentanyl are some of the most commonly seen ones. Um, and these, these, these can be good for, for numbing the pain in some, but they also have a lot of uh, side effects to be wary of. So there's you know, mixed reasons why to and not to use them. And then you get your, your non-narcotic analgesics, which are the things like acetaminophen or Tylenol. Um, aspirin or acetosilic acid, ibuprofen, and naproxen sodium. And then you get some types of combinations of all those uh, where you get the, you get a, uh, an opioid combined with a non-narcotic and certain types. And there's plenty of those where you're trying to get the, the immediate impact and the longer lasting and you get a few different ways to, to address the problem with those. But those are ones that are just trying to numb the pain and numb what you feel. And so oftentimes over, over time where people have that pain constantly, they're getting the fatigue, the tiredness from the medications and from the pain, and they're just getting more and more run down. And you can see that they just have not much left in the tank when they're, when they're getting this way. And if this is you, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a bad place to be in and you don't, you don't wish it on anybody. Um, and so with those things, oftentimes they've been many, many places, many doctors. The, the best advice I can give you is don't give up. Keep searching and keep trying to find that person that can help you and can get that, get that key to figuring out what's going on with you. And it's just oftentimes it's just one or two things that have been overlooked before. Um, but if you, if you give up and you don't keep looking, that's where you're not going to get any help. Where if you just keep pushing, keep trying to find that person that can do it for you, that's how you're going to get to where you need to be. And you can get that um, pain response down. You can get your life back. You can get, get feeling good again. Um, and that's what we're hoping that, that you'll do with all this information we've given today. Um, hope all of you, whether chronic pain or other types of stressors that are showing up or just feeling, feeling over this, um, hopefully these are some little things that you may not have known of or may have known of but hadn't done and you can be inspired to try something new. 
just to finish off for for some of those chronic pain people out there who who may need a little extra inspiration we we're going to tell you a story about about you know just an example of, of someone who has had that chronic pain and and got some results so um, i have a gentleman in mind who um, came in and he'd been having nerve pain down the leg for 10 years um, had several surgeries um, unsuccessful in, in what they were t attempting to do. I mean, he'd been on uh, the gabapentin and the opioids and the non-narcotic al analgesics um, trying to um, cope. Um, he wasn't able to go out and do do hikes or tramps, and he was, uh, yeah, a bit of a shell of a person that he was prior to being in the chronic pain because you just don't have the same energy for jokes or facial expressions or anything and you just you people actually start to look like they're a shell of their former self because their face just doesn't have the expressions in them anymore and it's it's you can pick somebody out on the street once you've seen it and you've dealt with it a bit you can pick somebody out on the street who's had this and so this guy had the look and i've been treating him for over two years now and he's been pretty much pain-free for over a year of it. And what we did with him was we start to work on the core of it. So you, you find whether there's an, a segment that needs to be adjusted or there's um, muscles that are overly tight tractioning on the nerve. And you start to work on all these bits at the same time. And you work on them and you work on them and you work on them. And it's persistence and consistence are the ways to keep freeing them up. And as he felt better. He was in close contact with his other medical providers and they started to together wean back some of the, the medications that he was needing before that he didn't feel that he needed anymore. And so that was that's the key that when you're working with that chronic pain is not to try and throw yourself off those painkillers because you feel you want to be off them because they're doing a job. You have to get the pain away in order to be able to go off them. Is what he and that's what he showed and that's what he did well and quite a few other people like this but this one just really sticks out. So after you know a few months of treatment, he was starting to get really really good and then he would go out and push his exercise because he wasn't able to do any exercise during this time and he loved being able to go for tramps and go out into the nature and go for big walks up the mountains um, and that's part of what gave him his his joy and took away a lot of his stress was getting out and doing that but he couldn't do it. So as we got him feeling better, he started to go out and do that. And then as he started to do that, he started to injure himself because he hadn't been able to do it for so long and his body wasn't used to it and his muscles weren't able to handle it right away. So he'd come back in after the injury, fix him back up, maybe take one, two visits, whatever it was, and then tell him, go back out, do it again. Um, and so he goes out, starts tramping, keeps tramping, no injuries for a while, and then eventually there's, there's an injury. Comes back in, fix him up, get him back to where he needs to be. He gets back up and gets to go live life and do all those things that he's doing. And whenever there's that little injury, um, you know, you come in in an emergency and get that fixed. But otherwise, the, the maintenance, maintaining, doing all the little things. So a lot of the things we talked about here today on this show are how you keep that going. So um, I hope to, uh, you know, if I can inspire one, one chronic pain person and maybe quite a few others that aren't in chronic pain to just go out and get sorted and just keep working on and all those aspects that we've talked about, I hope that we've done that today. Looking back, 
the dance we shared beneath the stars above for a moment all the world was right and how could I have known that you'd ever say goodbye and now Find our podcast on Facebook at Dr. Carl Bennett, the Modern Caveman, on the Plains FM website and iTunes, and you can get the live stream from plainsfm.org.nz or the TuneIn app. On behalf of Carl Warty, I'm Dr. Carl Bamlett, chiropractor at the Alpha Omega Clinic, reminding you that you can't change from within on the outside looking in. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carl Bamlett, the Modern Caveman. For more healthy lifestyle tips, find Dr. Carl on drcarlbamlett.com. And like him on Facebook. I'm Pascal Batrick, signing off for Dr. Carl Bamlett, the modern caveman.